Pastor Quint. I'm the executive pastor here at Erie First. And as promised last week, my beautiful wife is joining us for week two of this relationship series. In case you didn't remember, it is also her birthday. So she is just... We're not going to sing, but thank you so much for applauding. And I'm so grateful that you have joined me for this. This is going to be just a really fun day and really our hope uh, today is to actually get into uh, romantic relationships and ultimately marriage, okay? So last week, we spent our time talking about identity. If you were here or if you listened to it, really, the most important thing for us to remember is that our identity is rooted in Christ, and that's the foundation we need to build all of our relationships on, okay? When we get that right, we are bringing our healthiest 50% of the relationship. We're coming into it the healthiest that we can. Does this all sound familiar? And so this is what we're studying and talking about. And today, uh, we are going to talk about marriage relationships, okay? So that's why my wife is joining me, because I haven't done it all alone. She's been there every step of the way and helped, and it's been 13 awesome years. Um, So I don't want my singles in the room to check out, okay? Someday, maybe today, you'll find yourself wrapped up in a whirlwind romance. We don't know, all right? So take your notes, and then also you have people in your life who uh, are married and in relationships. And this is all just really, anytime we're learning from the word about any subject, we are profiting and we are being built up and we are growing. And so, so many of these things we learned before we were ever married, and we've been able to use that foundation in our marriage relationship, okay? So we wanna talk today about how to approach relationships with a holy perspective, all right? That is ultimately the goal. Ephesians chapter one says that God designed to make us whole and holy by his love. And so that's really what we should be after in our marriage relationships, in all of our relationships. And we said last week, God has a plan and a will for every single relationship we all participate in, okay? So if you have your Bibles, we are gonna be camped out this week in 1 Peter chapter four, verses 7 to 11. And to give you some context, this is a letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to a young and new church, and he was giving them instructions on how to live well as a church body, as a church family together, all right? But here's the thing. I have a sign above my desk that says, everyone thinks it, I just say it. Okay, and sometimes that gets me in trouble, but I'm going to go for, I'm going to use that principle here, and uh, what I would tell you is this. This is a, this passage, verses 7 through 11, I'm going to read it here in a minute, is instruction on how to exist in ministry, how to live in ministry towards your Christian brothers and sisters as a church, okay? But our first ministry is in our home, okay? Our first ministry is in our home, and this is what I'm going to, everyone thinks it, I'll just say it. If we are good at living these verses and principles out inside the church, but we don't live them out inside our home, we're missing it, okay? Our first ministry is in the home, and when we can get that right, then our ministry overflows into our church family, and everyone receives the benefit, all right? So that is really the target we are aiming at today. That is what we are going for, and we want to learn how we can apply these verses in our home life, in our marriage relationships, our romantic relationships, and then also have that overflow with our church family. So let me pray to that end, and then I'm going to read verses 7 through 11, and we'll be off and running this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you do have a plan and a will for every relationship that we participate in. And I thank you that you created marriage and you have an ultimate plan and will for our marriages. And so today, as we learn 
from your word. Would you just speak to us? Would you speak through Aaron and I? May these be your words, not ours. And would you show us new things that we can apply in new ways so that in our lives we can experience something new and different? Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go. Verses 7 through 11. I'm just going to read this out, and then we are going to dive right in. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without any grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks with the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ and to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So I want to just go right forward. If we're going to talk relationships, we're going to talk how to approach them from a holy perspective. I want to go right for conflict. Let's just go right for the hardest subject, right? Because if we can figure some of that out, the rest of it might be easier, right? But that is something that, that we're going to start with today is just this idea of how to have healthy and holy conflict, how to approach that in a healthy and holy way. Let's say it that way. So Aaron, would you uh, kind of start us off with that? conversation. Absolutely. Actually, as you were talking, I thought it's pretty ironic because I'm a very conflict-aversive person, so it's kind of funny that That's I That's why get... she's starting with the conflict. <laughs> the conflict. Um, so as a true testament of the strength of our marriage, we're actually sharing one set of notes. So I told Quint when he told me that, I want my own notes, and he said, the table is not big enough. We're having the same notes, and I said, okay, it's worked, then. It's worked out great. <laughs> I trust you. So um, if you've been around Quinn and I for any length of time, you will know within a few conversations, we are big fans and followers of John and Stacy Eldridge's ministry. If you're not familiar with them, um, they're awesome. And they have written many books, some together, some separately, uh, a lot about identity, male, women, relationships. But they have a book called Love and War that is awesome if you haven't read it. And it's one that we read fairly early into our marriage. And one of the biggest things that we took away when we read that book is that your spouse is not your enemy. So especially in conflict, it can feel very much like it's you against me. You know, your idea, my idea, your perspective, my perspective, my vacation destination, your vacation destination. Like it very much, conflict very much highlights the differences in your two opinions. But one thing that we've really strived to achieve in our marriage is that we are a team, we are allies. When it feels like we are against one another, we actually do have the, a common goal, purpose, thought, um, but it can just feel like we're butting against each other when those uh, tense moments come. So the fact that the spouse is not the enemy, but there is a very real enemy that is at work a lot of times in those relationships. And this is a very real example from our marriage. Um, this used to be a really big struggle for us. Quinn, obviously his days off are Friday, Saturday, because he's working today. So we would have this really great rhythm throughout the week where he would do his thing, I would do my thing, we would do our thing in the evening, we have five kids, um, so it is really busy and it can be stressful, but it was like throughout the week we would really be clicking and then his day off would come and it just felt like this, just this general like blahness, honestly, just, we just couldn't seem to get into sync together. And we tried to figure out, like, what is it? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And ultimately, I mean, I believe there was a very real enemy that is Satan that is was 
you know, finding ends to put this kind of stumbling block in our families. And so actually in uh, 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So very simply, if the devil can get in between the two of you, it makes his job pretty simple to cause strife, conflict. Um, And I think if you've been married for any length of time, you'll know exactly how this plays out. It can start as something very small. And before you know it, you're down this rabbit trail of, he always does that. I never get to do this. And you can really unwind it back to, wow, it was really like that initial thought or that initial um, situation that really kind of got me going down that. But the devil sees that and he, he knows, you know, and kind of whispers in your ear, you're right, he never lets you do that. You're always doing that or whatever the case may be. So Quint, I know, shared last week that when we're busy, God is quiet. And I truly believe that busyness gets us far enough away from hearing God that the enemy doesn't really have to work all that hard to get in. And of course, relationships is a very simple place to slip in. So... Absolutely. So the, the real takeaway that we have had to stand on and remember is that we aren't each other's enemy, but we are each other's allies, okay? And there is an enemy at work, but we are, when we are allied in fighting that enemy, uh, things work out. So I think it's amazing that in 1 Peter 4, 7, we read, be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. And then just 20 verses later or so in 1 Peter 5, 8, he says that same warning, that same uh, thing. He says, be alert and of sober mind because the enemy is looking to take you out when it is easiest. I'm paraphrasing there, but he's, he's searching as a roaring lion, seek, seeking who he may devour. So I think we would all be just so much further in all of our relationships of any kind, like we talked last week, if we would just remember there is an enemy at work trying to bring division, trying to break up unity, and it's not the person we are in relationship with but it is actually a, a third party, another thing uh, altogether. So um, this actually leads very well to our next point because I, I would not be shocked if you're sitting there thinking this sounds, sounds easy enough, it's harder to live out, and that is true. And I would not, we would never pretend that on my day off uh, we would look at each other, maybe we should have, but we didn't always look at each other and say, now remember, there's an enemy at work, we are allies. Like it wasn't this uh, just calm down moment all the time, you know? Th- when you get frustrated, you get frustrated. But what, when we came to the, this realization and we, we both sought to remember it, it made such a, a difference in, in keeping us unified, okay? Now, here's something Aaron and I have said to ourselves many times in the course of our marriage. Uh, when I see people who are married for 30 years and have no church background, no Jesus background, no Jesus at the center of their marriage, we just look at each other and say, I don't know how they do it. I, I really don't know how they do it. I, we're not going to sugarcoat it. Like, marriage is legitimately hard work. It's not all just infatuation like those first 12 to 24 months. Like, after that, it is, it is hard work. And actually, there's an author, his name's Roger Thompson, and I read his book just a couple years ago. But when we were preparing this message, his quote from that book immediately came to mind. He said, anniversaries are the daily heroic, or I'm sorry, anniversaries are the annual celebration of a daily heroic choice. Anniversaries are the annual celebration of a daily heroic choice, all right? What do we call a firefighter who runs into a building, puts his personal preferences, his personal desires, his personal uh, objectives for the day aside to do his job and save lives and rescue people? We call that a hero, right? Well, we're reading from 1 Peter 4, and we're reading this instruction that says, above all, 
love each other deeply, love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. That can apply at home and at church. Um, Peter said it, not me. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, okay? And so these, these are directives to put our personal well-being, our personal preferences aside and prioritize another and prioritize the furthering of a relationship, it is a heroic choice. It is heroic. And so that is why I love that definition. Anniversaries are the annual celebration of a daily heroic choice, okay? Now, Aaron mentioned uh, John and Stacey Eldridge, and yes, they have slightly influenced who we are as people, who I am as a pastor, and influenced our marriage. Uh, They're just so much of what they have taught has just resonated with us. But I want to read this, um, this section from his book, Free to Live. It's actually my favorite book he's ever written, and he's written many, and I've read almost all of them. But let me just read this section to you, and this really gets at the core of putting Christ at the center of a relationship, okay? You, you've probably been to a wedding where there's uh, three-stranded rope and they braid it together and Christ is that third rope and that is the most important thing is that you're keeping Christ at the center of your union. So let me just read this and then Aaron's gonna kind of explain some of what we're talking about with this. We all have a way that we do life. We might call it our personality or our natural bent, the way that we handle pressure, the way that we listen, the way that we look for happiness. We didn't sit down one day and willfully choose to adopt it, but it remains a choice nonetheless. Call it your style of relating. It is a carefully crafted approach to life and especially to relationship that colors the way we work and the way we love and the way we respond and the way we simply have a conversation with people. This can be quite an epiphany to you. You have a style of relating designed to make life work for you. Our style of relating, though, is born out of brokenness and sin, and it is the number one thing that gets in the way of real love and companionship, the shared adventure, and all the beauty of marriage. It's really this simple. The number one thing that gets in the way is your way. I don't mean insisting on getting your way, that the lights are dim or finding a better parking spot. I mean your way of going about life and your style of relating, okay? So Aaron, would you share what it looks like to invite Jesus in to be at the center of a union uh, and then how that influences your behaviors inside of a marriage when he is at the center? Uh, So it's no surprise that we all have our own way of doing things. If you don't know that's true, have children, they definitely are born like right out of the gate with their own way of doing things. And I'm sure anyone that's been married one month or 50 can attest to the fact that you can have a situation happen to both of you, the exact same situation, and you see it completely differently. I will even say to Quint, did we both actually just live that? Because my feelings on it and your feelings on it are just so different. It almost seems like two separate things happened to us. And that's because of who you are. It's how God wired you. It's the things that happened in your past, the things that are uh, your hopes and dreams moving forward, and just the things that make you you, the, the pieces that make you you. But When we do that, um, those personality differences can cause quite a bit of conflict. But when we choose to love one another the way that, ultimately, the way that God showed us to love one another, that is really where where all the peace comes through. So um, ultimately, any relationship, we have to choose to love the way that Jesus loved us. And our our outpouring of that is, of course, flawed, and it's not perfect, and it's not the way that Jesus originally created it, but it's as close as we, as broken humans, can get it. 
And in um, this is a very familiar verse, but I always try when I'm reading those really familiar verses to not let the familiarity take away from the power that is God's word. And so this is John 13, 34 and 35. And it says, let me give you a new command, love one another in the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. I don't know what else I could say to add to that. Honestly, basically, Jesus is saying when we can love the way that Jesus loves us, not only do we honor our spouse, our family, whoever we're loving, but we're also a direct reflection back to the Father. So these different personality, all the tools out there, and you guys probably know many of them, to get to know yourself or your spouse better, they, I, I don't want to take away from them because, honestly, they've been very helpful to us in our marriage. It has been very helpful to have situations where it diffuses conflict when I can see, well, I don't see it your way, but I can see how you see it your way. <laughs> and I can see how I see it my way, naturally. The problem, though, when we get too bogged down with that is we really are trying to solve conflict the way the world likes to solve it, not the way that God has called us to solve mm, it. That's good. And we kind of chop up his image by taking the parts that we like more or that are just more, we're just geared more for. I for instance, Jesus's gentleness. That's not really a hard one for me to like take because I'm kind of a gentle person to begin with. Um, but there are others, you know, that are more difficult. When we kind of chop that up, though. <laughs> like me. I didn't say it, but because you're going to say it, yes, that's also true. Um, but when we kind of We've been called to reflect all of Christ's image, not just the part that we identify with or that we naturally kind of can find. And Ephesians 4.24 says, because we're speaking about a new life, something new and different, take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. It's when we do that that we truly are experiencing something new and different. Love it. Y'all see why she's up here this morning? So good. Thank you so much. Um, all right, so this is, this is what I would like to challenge uh, each of us to do, okay? We're reading from this chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. I think if every one of us left this place today purposing to just spend our time in those few verses and asking ourselves, am I doing that in my marriage? Am I doing that with my children? You could apply this to any relationship, but am I loving others deeply? Am I offering my hospitality to one another without grumbling? Am I using whatever gifts I have received to serve others? And hopefully our answers, the more we work on it, start to become yes. Yes, I am doing that. Yes, I am striving to do that. And I think when we start to do that, like she said, we will really see something new and different. And it starts with us changing us. We're not changing other people so we can experience something new and different, but we're becoming more like Christ. And when we do that, our relationships start to change. All right, so to wrap up this morning, we're just gonna do something kind of fun. We're gonna call this rapid fire. Um, one of us will ask a question, the other will give an answer, and then um, we'll, we'll wrap up. But anyways, babe, why don't you go ahead? Or actually, I'll ask the first one. The first one is, uh, do you have any secrets to finding a healthy home rhythm? Um, there is no secret, unfortunately. It's like when somebody loses a lot of weight and people will say, oh my goodness, what did you do? And I ate less and I moved more. You know, we all know it. There is no secret. I wish there were. We have times where we're just like in lockstep and everything is just kind of 
uh, like a well-oiled machine almost. And then we have times where it just seems like no matter what we try to do, we are just getting in each other's way and it's just hard. And so if anything, all we've done is that we communicate a lot and we just keep fighting to try to find that rhythm. And you all know with seasons of life, there are just times that it's easier and times that it's much harder. So true. All right. What's the biggest current lesson you've learned that's benefiting our family or marriage? So I alluded to some of this last week, but probably the biggest thing I have learned this summer is to, much like John Eldridge's excerpt there, uh, to let go of my way of insisting um, how I want things to happen is how it should happen. How I want to experience a Saturday morning on a motorcycle it has to be the only way I can find joy or something like that. And I've just learned to let go of all that and find just as much joy in my kids playing basketball or my kids playing on the playground or letting her go do something she's excited about. And there's, there's honestly more joy because I'm no longer feeling like I'm the one in control of it, but I'm letting God fulfill me through what he has called my, my role as a husband. Okay, your last question. What is the biggest lesson you have learned over the length of our marriage? So not current like mine was, but bigger, bigger picture. Um, I think one of the things that Quinn and I have done well, we've messed a lot up, which I'm not going to talk about today, but one of the things that we've done well is we really have built in grace for growth for each other. We're both pursuing Jesus in an individual journey and on a shared journey, and I think we've built in grace for each other throughout that journey. And that can be hard. I mean, I was just reflecting back on this most current anniversary that we shared. We've been married 13 years. I'm like, oh my goodness, like the people we married 13 years ago don't really exist anymore. They're different. I mean, they do, but in a totally different way. They just, they do things differently. They see things differently. They have different roles and responsibilities. And so I think we have really fought to remain unified throughout that growth, but we've understood that we each are on an individual journey to grow. That can be difficult because that growth can lead you apart if you're not careful. But I think when we take it back to keeping Jesus in the center. When you're unified in a common vision and with Jesus at the center, then you, it can actually draw you closer together. So good. So good. All right, last one. All right, last question. What is the most freeing truth that you have stood on during times of growth in our marriage? All right, this is a big one. Everybody go ahead and stand up. We're going to wrap up like this this morning. Um, Big and bold question. I'm going to stop here so we don't ask anything deeper that cuts any deeper. Um, all right, I mentioned earlier I have, this, uh, I have this thing over my desk that says, everyone thinks it, I just say it. And no one knows this to be true more than my wife here because there's no filter between the things that I'm going through, experiencing, thinking, and, and her. Like, she, she hears it all, okay? But this is where that gets interesting, and this is a long setup to answer this question. But the most freeing truth that I have stood on is when, a, when an unvulnerable person like myself chooses to be vulnerable, that can leave her reeling. That can leave her processing and trying to think, whoa, you know, you, you marry this knight in shining armor who thinks he's never going to be vulnerable, and then all of a sudden he is. She didn't ask for that. She just said, I do, and now she's kind of stuck with it, right? So anyways, the, the, freeing, the most freeing truth that I've stood on is this. I trust that God will work it all together for good according to his will. Romans 8, 28. I trust that God is at work in my heart, and that's why he put it on my heart to share these things. And I trust that God is at work in her heart. And like we learned last week, I, I believe I am hemmed in, and I believe she is hemmed in. And I believe our marriage is hemmed in. And I believe that even if I do maybe get out ahead of her and share some things and she was not ready for it and it takes her a few days or weeks or whatever to catch up, once we're together, we'll be off and running. 
And she gets out ahead of me and she shares some things with me and I need to process. And like she was just saying, it's that give and that take and that figuring out how to move together. How to, how, it's just this rhythm and you're always working towards it. But with Christ at the center, it always works out. And here's the thing. I've only ever seen him come through. I've only ever seen it work. And so even when it doesn't feel like it, I put my faith and my trust in him. I hand it all over to him and he works all things together for good. And we get to experience something new and different even 13 years into our marriage, okay? So that is the answer. Here's what I'd like to do. I'm gonna pray over the uh, gentlemen in the room and then would you pray over the ladies and then we will close. Uh, But didn't she do great? Thank you so much for joining. Did I tell him it's your birthday? I told him it's your birthday. Okay, all right. She's not a center of attention person, so this is a great stretch for her, but she's done awesome. Let me pray over you gentlemen, you guys in the room. She'll pray over the ladies, and we will wrap up like that. But Jesus, I thank you that you have a plan and a will for every relationship in our lives, our friendships, our sibling relationships, our parental relationships, and our romantic relationships. And so my prayer over the guys in this room is that they would find out who they are in you, that they would step up to that plate, and that they would lead like the men you have called them to be, that they, would, uh, that they would love others deeply, as 1 Peter 4 says, that they would uh, show hospitality and show compassion, and that you would just uh, help every one of us to dig deeper into those four or five verses in 1 Peter 4 and apply it in our relationships. And we know you'll be faithful to do it. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Lord, we just pray over every woman's heart that's in this room, Father. I just pray that you would take all the pieces of their womanhood that you gave them at their creation and that you would refine and that you would um, just continue to pull those out of each woman. I truly believe that women were uh, equipped and um, created to just be powerhouses for you, Lord. And I just pray that uh, in our relationships, Father, that we would start there and then we would just take uh, that throughout your kingdom, Lord. We thank you for this morning and how you are so good to us. We love you and worship you. Amen. 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 Thanks so much for coming this morning. We will wrap this series up next week.